welcome to another episode of on the ball ball stands for best advice and life lessons my name is Srini Raghavan and this is a podcast show where I focus on extracting best advice and life lessons from world-class performers and leaders from various fields by deconstructing and teasing out their routines, success habits, tactics, techniques, hacks, tricks, secrets, and best advice or life lesson they have ever received so that you can use and apply to your own life and work. Today, I'm thrilled to have Lex Gillette on the show. So who's Lex? Lex is the best totally blind long and triple jumper in the history of US Paralympic movement. He is the current world record holder in long jump, a four-time Paralympic medalist, a three-time long jump world champion, and an 18-time national champion. He's the only totally blind athlete to ever eclipse the 22-foot barrier in the long jump. If you think that any of this came easy, you should think again. So here's a story, just a little bit of a fun background. When many of his fellow eight-year-olds could be seen riding bicycles and shooting baskets or frolicking near the playgrounds, Lex was dealing with a far more challenging opponent. His sight began to fail slowly, entirely due to recurrent retina detachments. Uh, he went through 10 operations, failed operations, I should say, to stabilize what little sight he had left. After the final surgery, Lex's mother had the difficult task of telling her son he would never see again. He would likely never see again. As painful as this was, she vowed to teach Lex everything that he would need to know to be successful in life. Her hard work and love were foundation for Lex's accomplishments. In short, Lex is an athlete, motivational speaker, singer-songwriter, we'll talk about that, and he epitomizes the phrase, no need for sight when you have a vision. So I'm super thrilled to have Lex on the show. Welcome to the show, Lex. Let's play ball. Hey, how are you? Pretty awesome. Thank you for being here. I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Glad you to bet. be here. Thank you. I'm sure we'll jump between various topics, Lex, and we have a lot of ground to cover. Let's jump right in. Um, when you reflect back on a moment, when you realize you lost your sight, how did you pick up from there, face the reality and build courage to get where you are today. The one thing I want to extend to that is when you go through something like 10 operations, when you were eight years old, you build a lot of optimism from the very first few, right? How do you bounce back from those continued failures from the operations and build trust in people, in doctors, in external systems? Um, yeah, where does that courage come from? I think a lot of it is being able to being able to take from those who are around you. Specifically for me, it was my mom and I was able to to latch on to to her and and her strength and her energy and and at eight years old, you are you're in a position where you're trying to figure out yourself, your attitude, your behavior, trying to figure out personalities of, of others. You're also trying to figure out the same in others, their attitudes and their behavior. It, for me, having to, to go through that on top of dealing with sight loss was certainly a, that was really, really, really challenging. But 
again, I had some amazing people in my corner who really supported me and helped me to see that I could still go out and, and do amazing things. So um, I, I think in the beginning, it was literally just getting me in a position where I could actually, no pun intended, see what was possible. So, okay, now I can't see anything. I'm still going to go to school. How am I going to learn? Okay, I learned how to read Braille. I learned how to use a computer with a with the speech software installed on it. And, and so there were literal things that were being put in my path to help from an accessibility standpoint. And, and that was opening the doors to what was possible and, and really helped to uh, help to, to drive and increase my internal confidence um, and also help me to to feed that fire, that that fire of, of, of courage um, and having the courage to take that step forward, not only um, literally, but you know, figuratively as well, just um, you know, having the courage to walk through my neighborhood or having the courage to try new things or to explore and discover things um, surrounding technology and and ultimately using those things, leveraging those things to uh, to help me push forward. That's pretty amazing. Like I should tell you, I'm I'm super inspired by that. Um, and I should tell you, those of us who have all the faculties, right? I mean, we still feel inadequate in many ways. Um, the one question that I have for you as a follow up is what motivates and pushes you every day, every single day? Mm, just like winning. Uh, I mean, I think that's a really when you when you win, it's a really good feeling. And so you can think about it from an athletic standpoint where there's literal wins and losses. You want to score more points or have a better result than everyone else who's entered into the competition. But even outside of that, being better than what you were yesterday, being able to improve upon something that you may have failed at yesterday or or you know an hour or two prior, being able to figure out some some strategies and and structures, systems that you can put in place to help you overcome a an obstacle or a challenge. That's that's motivating also being able to you know, figure out a way down down the road when it appears that there's there's a dead end. I think when we when we're able to to really look at an, an issue, a problem, and figure out a solution for that problem, that is that's motivating for sure. For sure. Um so what got you started as an athlete? Um, how did you get interested and motivated in this field? Like even as you lost sight gradually during your early years? I, so prior to me losing my sight, I was, I played recreational baseball and I used to swim also, not, not competitively, but my mom had me in swim lessons and so I was very comfortable with being in the water and you know, would, would swim around here and there and, and run around and 
and, and play with friends. Um, outside of, after I had lost my sight, it was a matter of me trying to transition and gain that confidence again to get out, to get out there and be physically active. My mom's side of the family is the athletic side. So they've played it off from volleyball to basketball to just everything. And, and I wanted to, you know, continue to, to be, physically active to move around and, and to have a good time as well. So uh, my mom had found some, she found different resources and programs within the community that would not only help me to gain independence and, and increase that confidence, but that eventually led to adaptive sports and recreation. So I was a part of say beat baseball which is an adaptive form of of baseball for the blind and visually impaired where the ball makes a beeping sound and the bases make a buzzing sound there's a couple other nuances of the game but it's a very very popular sport within the blind and visually impaired community that's a lot of fun and i was introduced to that pretty early i was 14 15 years old when i first found out about it so that started that fire I learned about goalball as well, which is another sport specifically for the blind and visually impaired. It's three on three and and you play on the size of a court that is uh, about the size of a, a volleyball court. And, and the three athletes are fixated on either end. You're rolling this ball that's the size of a basketball. It has holes inside of it, but also has bells inside so that when you roll the ball, it makes a it, it makes a sound you can hear it hear it coming and uh the object is for those three athletes on either side to to keep the ball from going in the net that's behind them uh once i was in high school i had a teacher who introduced me to track and field specifically the long jump and we found out that i had a, a pretty pretty good uh ability to jump through this physical fitness test that everyone was required to be a part of. And I was really good at standing in one spot and jumping forward to the point I, I could jump 10 feet forward from the standstill. So uh, wow. I think naturally my teacher, he said, oh, like, let's let's figure out a way to to take this talent and and add a run to it. Um, and from there, he he created a strategy for me so that I would be able to run down this runway and, and jump. And that specifically was him standing at the takeoff board, the takeoff point that's located in the in the ground in the long jump. He would stand there, clap his hands and yell, straight, 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 straight. So since I couldn't see what was going on, I could hear where he was and, and know which direction to run. And from there, I would run, count my strides, and at the right step, the right stride, then I'd jump and, and land in the sand. And uh, that, that those were the beginning stages of it. That was my introduction to to long jump. I see. Yeah, talking about long jump, right, Lex? How you know? Can you break down the aspect of a jump, the anatomy of a jump, if you will? Like, how do you plan? How do you trust your mind to execute and body to execute when you don't see a thing? Um, what does it take? <laughs> it takes a lot of takes a lot of, of 
courage, a lot of trust and willingness to put your well-being into the hands of someone else. I'm out there at this point. I've gotten to the point where my run-up, my approach is about 115 feet, give or take, away from the takeoff board. And the reason that the guide stands at the takeoff board is because there is a rule that says that the the guide they can't move; they have to be stationary. So they don't they don't necessarily have to stand at that takeoff point, but they do have to they have to decide on a location, stand there, and and give some sort of audible cues. <clears throat> Excuse me. And of course, you know, it, it, most guys stand in some sort of vicinity near the takeoff board or near the actual sand pit because that's the that's the direction that you want your athletes to run and you ultimately want them to land successfully within the sand so um i'm about 115 feet away from the board my guide is is standing in between the takeoff point and the sand pit he's clapping and yelling fly 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 as loud as possible and from there, it's my responsibility to listen to the sound of his voice, run as straight as possible, as fast as possible. And on my 16th stride, it takes me 16 steps to cover that 115 foot distance. On my 16th stride, then I, I jump, fly through the air and, and land in the sand. So it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of practice, Monday through Friday learning to run straight wow getting getting stronger learning to you know getting faster getting more powerful and and on top of all of that again learning to to run in a straight line because you want to be able to run straight so that when you jump you're going to put yourself in the best position to jump straight and land inside of the sandpit got it and you say you practice Monday through Friday. I mean, every day of the week. Um, yeah. 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 You know, and each day is, you know, it's different. There's always certain things to work on, but we're out there. Yeah. Monday through Friday. I see. So one thing I'd like to learn from uh, Lex is your morning rituals and what does your day look like? A typical day. Um, what is what is your boot up sequence? What do you do? How do you motivate yourself? What's important to you every day? Yeah, I wake up and <laughs> got to get my breakfast in. So I'm, I'm definitely one of those people who, who wants to, to get up and make sure I get some good nutrition. Could be some eggs, it could be some oatmeal, could be some fruit, yogurt, what have you. And that really sets up that it establishes a, a good foundation for having a good training session because you want to make sure that you're fueling yourself appropriately so that you can have a great, great training day or a great competition. Outside of that, um, man, what, what motivates me? What keeps me going? Um, there's a number of things I would say. Uh, I'm definitely a, you know, I like to consume different, uh, you know, different different programs like you know digital content or you know, there's things on 
on YouTube, whether it's other speakers or or people who, um, you know, podcasters, people who are talking about really interesting things that that shed light on how their minds work, how how they operate. And I think we all have something to share, something that we can learn from each other. And and it's good that we're able to take some of the insights that's, that's put out there from other people to to apply to our own personal journeys. I do a lot of speaking as well. So you know, sometimes those days do re- require me um, delivering a, a presentation or, or some sort of program to an audience. And that's exciting as well. It's energizing to know that um, I'm able to connect with people in that fashion and share some tips and tricks that'll help them in their own personal and professional journeys. And uh, between those, those are a few things that really sets up the sets up the day nicely. And then I'm able to step on the track um, and and engage in this sport that that I love so much is one that you know I'm, I'm I feel like I'm at home when I'm out there on the track and I'm training and uh, for years upon years when I was growing up after I had lost my sight I was thrust into this world where a lot of people don't you know they don't really understand me or the experiences that right. I've been through as as someone who's blind and uh, the long jump runway the track is that one area that one place where it doesn't really matter what what the world thinks or what they say that's an environment where i know what i'm capable of doing i know what type of impact that i that i can have and i'm i'm able to freely uh be myself and to literally and figuratively fly you are talking about some of the challenges that you had right throughout your life and career i'm sure i mean i don't think i can imagine um I wouldn't know. What would you say was the toughest of the challenges when you were growing up or even after? And what lessons did you learn? What did you how did you overcome some of those challenges? What made it hard? Can you talk a little bit about that? What we can learn from yeah, that? Yeah. For sure. I think the biggest challenge of all probably revolves around just the social aspect. And, you know, we, we live in our communities and our society and, and, and others, they come from different uh, cultures and, and backgrounds and, and they've been exposed to certain things. But I ran into a lot of people who hadn't been exposed to the world of, of someone who's blind or visually impaired. And, and golly, I mean, just, just like a person with a disability in general. And so uh, a lot of people sometimes view view you as less than or incapable or they they look at you as as you know they're, they're not able to do that because they they can't see or they use a wheelchair they have an amputation and those those mindsets that perspective is so totally wrong <clears throat> because there is so much to achieve in the world and and we all have areas where we're not as strong but we also have areas where we are strong and so growing up in a time where uh people more times than none would put you in 
in a in a different category, this category of of uh, you know being lesser, I think was was the biggest challenge. But uh, how how did I overcome that? I think it was again being connected to the people who literally showed me what was possible, and them telling me that hey, we want to let you know that these are some of the things that you're going to face as someone who's blind. The world may not understand you, but we're going to expose you to so many different resources and tools and programs and technology to the point where you're going to see what's possible. You're going to increase your independence. You're going to be self-sufficient. You're going to be able to go into the world and not only advocate for yourself, but advocate for people who are are like you. And we're going to we're going to show you some tips and tricks and, and introduce you to strategies and, and systems that will that will help you not only uh, open doors for yourself, but but for others. So, um, you know, people who continue to have those types of mindsets uh, now, even though it, it is frustrating at times, I have to turn it into an, an educational moment and let them know that, hey, you know, I literally can do this or, hey, you shouldn't you shouldn't, um, you know, speak in that fashion. Maybe you should use these terms instead of those terms because it can come across a little uh, uh, demeaning. Um, and and so literally just turning those things into an educational moment, because for them, I'm, I'm, I may not be the only person living my experience that they come in contact with. So I want them to know that, all right, for the next person like me who you may encounter, this is how you should um, treat the situation so you won't be, uh, so you, you know, potentially won't be uh, offensive or, or make them feel as though they don't belong or, or shouldn't be included. Got it. So the, on top of that, the one question that I have to ask you in the current day background and environment, um how was when you were growing up must have been harder back then and even now being blind while black either one of them would be quite challenging for someone yeah and it's quite tragic to see what's happening today with all those news right um i'm appalled what lessons can others learn from your own experience lex in terms of dealing with the world with folks and being blind while black? Yeah, I think that, I mean, first and foremost, I think we just have to get to this point of uh, being able to, to transcend beyond what is in front of your eyes. And so, so many people are locked into what they see and, and, and people's skin tone and, and how they dress and how they act and their, and their mannerisms and, and um, a lot of it is literally triggered because of, you know, people and their, uh, you know, experience, experiences, what they were taught. Some of those things, again, are just totally wrong. And uh, I think all in all, I just, I'm, I'm a part of this, uh, I've been a part of this um, speech contest recently, and, and I wrote this speech in the last uh, few levels that I've been a part of, and, and the speech was entitled, I Wish the World Was Blind. And I really do believe that because uh -huh. I want people to experience life outside of, of the literal aspect of, of sight. Uh, 
because what people see dictates their actions and their beliefs and 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 how they uh and 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 how they think but there's people have you know a heart people have character and and those things aren't those aren't seen with eyesight those things are are experienced and, and felt when you take the time to actually to learn about someone to you know to be vulnerable and to be transparent and to learn about their their life's experiences and and learn about how you could potentially help and be an ally for that person particularly as someone who is black um there's been uh you know you hear about the uh the the term black lives matters and and then you know people are uh people may say oh well all lives matter yep and 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 so (laughs) i mean relatively speaking yeah yeah all lives do matter but I don't think that there's anything wrong with with saying that Black Lives Matter or uh, we'll, we'll just say Black Lives Matter um, because it's, it's true, you know, Black lives do matter. And based off of you know, the, the history within our country, um, I think there is most definitely a lot of room for improvement. And just to, to make an additional point, um, I mean, I'll use myself as an example. Growing up in North Carolina, it is more of a conservative space, conservative place versus, say, a California where I where I train for the Paralympics. But um, the point that I want to make is that when I was growing up, and and they revealed that I was having retina detachments, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, "Hey, we need to we need to operate on Lex's eyes because." he's having issues with with retina attachments. So they went in and they operated on my eyes. They didn't operate on my whole body, you know, like for sure all of my body matters, but at the particular time, it was my eyes that needed the attention. And so when you look at it from that perspective, I, I look at it in a similar type of light. Yes, I think that we understand that as, as, as decent human beings who care about each other, all lives do matter. However, at the same time, um in in fixing specific specific uh issues and systems that are that are currently in place we need to make some changes so that the lives of of you know us as as black people um that there's some uh some changes that will uh that will um kind of break down some of these barriers that have been uh put in place to to marginal marginalize the uh marginalize this uh our population yeah like that's a great way to put it um i mean it's so cool that you're able to tie it back to your your eyes and blindness because that's a part that requires fixing nothing at that moment right i think yeah that's so powerful what you just said thank you for sharing that um you have said when we talked before as well as uh, earlier your mom has been a huge pillar in your life um, in terms of overcoming a lot of these challenges can you talk a little bit about her her influence on you before and after you were blind and also touch a little bit on your role models or mentors 
uh, besides your mom, who are the two or three people that have been most influential to you that you learn from and why? What did you learn? Yeah, my mom, she's been a, a really, she's been very important in my life and still continues to um, play an important role. And so <clears throat> kind of building off of what we were just talking about, my mom, she is black, of course, and, and she's a, a woman. And so we know about the uh, challenges that, that our women are, are facing, have faced and are facing within, um, you know, within our country, especially within, say, the corporate space uh, and, and, you know, employment um, and other areas as well. But, uh, and my mom is also visually impaired. She has glaucoma, um, although she still has usable sight. And so she checked three different boxes and the average person, I think if they checked all three of those boxes, they may not have the same type of tenacity that she has, and they may not have had the same type of, of fervor and passion that she has. For me, her son, I was able to see that on a daily basis, to see her get up each morning and to make sure that I have food, to make sure that uh, you know, she was she was getting to work. She found transportation. She got to work. She held down the eight to five job. She came back home. She would cook food for me. She would help me with homework if I needed. She would take me to the park. She would you know, take me to different, uh, you know, enroll me in different programs within the community. And she found, uh, you know, different mentors for me growing up as well, and, and even found the time to take me on, we went on vacations and things like that. And so when you see that as, as a child, it's like a no excuses type mentality. And she served as an example for me to, to follow on a daily basis. And that really, you know, I, man, when you see that on a, when you see that consistently, there's literally, <laughs> like, there's no way that you can step outside of the, the, the home and, and want to you know, have a, a pity party or, or try to um, act as though you're incapable. Like I had no choice but to get out there and to match what I was seeing from my mom. And I think that's, that's why she's you know, such a, a, a huge influence to me. Um, but I think not only that, kind of speaking to one of my other mentors, uh, Mr. Whitmer, he was the one who introduced me to track and field. He was my, my teacher in high school. He actually was my teacher of the visually impaired, which means that he made sure that I had all of the necessary accommodations so that I would be successful in, in the classroom and specifically within the public classroom. So he made sure that I had a computer with a speech software. He made sure that I had my books in Braille. He made sure that the academic experience was just as great as uh, my athletic experience. And kind of to, to tie the bow, my mom had, she set a certain tone at home and she expected that same tone to be continued 
when I stepped outside of the house. So when I went to school, Mr. Whitmer, he had a similar type of, of mindset and he maintained that environment that my mom had at home. So once I got to school, it was literally the same thing. I had to bring my A game all of the time. I had to be good in sports so that, uh, or I'm sorry, I had to be good and pay attention in class because if I didn't do it there, then I wasn't going to be able to participate in sports. So I, I you know, I, I just literally had to, um, I had to be on my, my P's and Q's and um, they, they just really helped set that framework for me. And, uh, and, I, and, and also I'll mention another person, my godfather, he's a mentor for me as well. Um, just, you know, someone who, who's strong, someone who is, has a, has a great personality. And, and again, I saw within him that, uh, you know, how to, how to treat others, how to, you know, be a gentleman. Um, I spent a lot of time with, with him, uh, growing up. He's been around since, you know, since before I lost my sight and, and he has been around after I lost my sight and still is a part of my life. So, um, I think it was just that a lot of, uh, family, a lot of love, and ultimately a lot of people who established the idea of, Hey, we know that you're experiencing a certain challenge, a certain circumstance, but there's still, you still have potential. And we want to help you tap into that so that you can go into the world and and do amazing things. Got it. That's quite an inspiration, uh, both your mom as well as uh, your teacher. Um, the role that they played, um, setting tone for you. And by the way, what tone was that? You said your mom set the tone at home. I gathered based on what you said, but I want to ask you a little bit, poke a little bit more. What tone was that? Was it high bar? Yeah, yeah, she set the bar high. It was um, ultimately you decide what you can do and no one else. You, you make the decisions. Don't succumb to what other people say and what they think because a lot of people out there aren't going to look at you as someone who is is capable. They're not going to look at you as someone who can go out there and hold down a an eight to five job. They're not going to look at you as someone who could be a successful athlete. They're not going to look at you as as someone who you know be able to to have a family and 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 uh, you know just be able to to go out there and and live a successful life. I think more times than none, most would say, oh my gosh, how, what is there for this person who is blind? What is, how are we going to, to help this person? Um, there was, there wasn't any of that at home. It was, this is the situation. We're going to figure out a solution to, to the problem. And and that was the same type of, uh, you know, she set that type of tone, no excuses, set the bar high, um, go after, go after everything, whatever your heart desires, you can, you can capture that. 
And not only do I want you to see that, but I want you to understand that in order to bring those things into fruition, you need to, to act, you need some execution. And, um, and so not only did she set the bar high and set that tone for me, she helped me to literally learn the, the actions and things that I can actually put in place to bring those things into reality. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. Lex. I have a couple of other fun questions, light questions before we wrap up here. Um, what would you say? I mean, every one of us have, we're good at something, we're not so good at something. What would you say is your superpower? And is there a bad habit that you're working on right now in terms of trying to get better at? Um, those are good ones. Uh, bad habit that I'm trying to work on. I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't classify it as a bad habit, but at the beginning of the year, of course, I'm training for Tokyo right now, which is scheduled to happen in the summer. Um, postpone, you know, postpone a year from last year. Uh, I love French fries. <laughs> I'm talking like I literally love them to the point where wherever we just so happen to go out to eat, I will figure out a way to incorporate French fries into my meal. It could be, oh yeah, we can go to an <laughs> Italian spot and have like spaghetti and meatballs and salad. Oh yeah, can I get a side of fries with that? Like literally just love, <laughs> love fries, McDonald's, Bojangles, Jack in the Box, Chick-fil-A, all varieties, all types, love them. And so I told myself that, all right, like, let's, uh, not only from a, just a health standpoint, um, let me just work on some discipline. And again, I, don't, I certainly don't want to get the impression that I eat them all of the time because I don't really eat out a, a ton. But when when the opportunity calls and, and, and we would go out to eat, I'm on the French fries. So I told myself that um, not only from, an health, from a health standpoint, but just simply from a, let me work on my discipline. I'm going to give up French fries from January 1 until after Tokyo, until my last competition in Tokyo. So I'm assuming that's probably going to be sometime in, in uh, September. I need to see what the schedule is because I'm, I'm going to have a, a, a French fry party as soon as I'm done with competition. I'm talking a whole spread, a whole buffet line of just different assortments of, of fries. So. Um, I actually added potato chips and all type of like uh, snacky-ish type uh, mm -hmm. potato-y things to that list as well. So um, that was a habit that, I, that, that I've been combating. It's, you know, we're, we're well into 2021. I'm doing good right now. I'm doing really good. Haven't had any of those things. So uh, just trying to keep it going. Um, and uh, what was the what was the first the first yeah, what was that your, question? Yeah, what would you say? What's one superpower that you have? What's your superpower? Oh, my superpower. Mm. I would say I have this really. I would call it uh, my sixth sense would be sure. my my spatial awareness, Got it. knowing where I am in space and, I, and being able to identify how far people or things are away from me. It's almost kind of scary at times because mm -hmm. I, I, like I can feel like a building that is not too far off or someone who may try to who may try to sneak up on me 
Um, most times I'm pretty aware and, and can identify, you know, what's around and who's around. So um, I would say that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, hey, just one final question before we wrap up. Like, it's great talking to you. What's one best advice that you ever got? And also think about if you had a message that would you would you 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 would have on a billboard, right? You have a billboard. A lot of people see that. What would that one message be? Anything that you want to say to the world, what would that be? It's a two different thing. What's the best advice that you ever got? And what's one message if you had to put on a billboard that you would put? The best advice that I've ever gotten, I would probably circle back to the the message from my mom, which is literally you you decide what you can do and and no one else. We live in a world where so many people try to dictate to you what you can do, where you can go, and who you can become. And that's not their decision to make. They can help guide you and they can influence you. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you make the decision. And who knows, the decision that you make may be so much more, it may be so much better than what that person may have given to you. It may, it may be something so much better than, than what they may have, have suggested. Um, and, uh, and, and certainly that's not to take away from, um, you know, the mentors and people who we have in our life who, who are you know, offering, offering, um, advice, but just, you know, you understand, of course, that, um, at the end of the day, you, you make the decision. Whatever it is that you see, whatever it is that you believe in your heart, go after that relentlessly, no matter what anyone says. The naysayers, they they don't matter. You decide what you can do and no one else. Um, what would I want on a billboard? Yeah. No need for sight when you have a vision. That's my <laughs> mantra. And... And a lot of people think that it's literally something specific for specific to blind and visually impaired individuals, but it's not. At the end of the day, it's not the sight that determines our success. It's that ability to see a vision and to see beyond the horizon, to see things before they come into motion, before they're they're physically here. And in even beyond that, for you know, sure, it's it's amazing to see that vision, but you you can't just see the vision you have to be able to develop a plan and and work to bring that vision into fruition we need action we need execution to bring that into into reality whatever it is that we see um but in a world where there's so much there's so much visual data and information that's being uh, putting people's face on a daily basis from, uh, you know, social media and, and, the, and the YouTubes and the digital content platforms. Um, I think that 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 there needs to be a, a lesson taught on 
being able to transcend beyond those things. Um, because I believe that a lot of that, a lot of those visuals are, are keeping people weighed down and keeping them in a space where it's literally hard for them to see what's possible. Like they're with, with all of these, uh, you know, the, the, the algorithms and, and how things are, um, you know, built, if you will, um, people are, they're so latched on to, to what they're seeing on their phones and on the computers and, and smart TVs and things like that. But um, I think that they need to, to see a greater vision and, and learn that there's a greater life and, and possibilities beyond what is in front of their eyes. Got it. That's a great one. No need for sight. If you have a vision. Um, terrific. Thank you so much. Um, Lex, thank you for being on the show. Any final thoughts before we sign off here? Um, stay on the ball. You know, everybody, <laughs> everybody, you know, everybody has uh, something to offer. Um, you don't have to be a, a Paralympic athlete. You don't have to be a, you know, a world-renowned author or anything like that. I mean, we all have something special to offer the world. There's always some, some advice and life lessons to to pass along to the next person. So even though you may not be out here in the in the newspapers and the TVs and and all of those things, there's something inside of you that you can offer that can help the next person. And don't be afraid to. Uh, to get out there and, and to share that. And if you see someone who's in need and you have something that can help them, I think that it's your responsibility to uh, to latch on and to, and to help that person. So uh, yeah, always stay on the ball. Thank you. On that note, I'm honored to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time, Lex. Thank, thanks a lot. Have a good day. Uh, thank you, my friend. You too.